You are listening to Keep Canada Weird, a weekly weird news roundup by the Nighttime Podcast. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the weekly Keep Canada Weird discussion series. If you're new here in Keep Canada Weird, my pal Aaron Airport and I seek out and explore some of the more offbeat Canadian news stories from the past week. In tonight's episode, which we recorded on the evening of November 20th, 2022, Aaron and I again get tossed around in Canada's weird waves. Our discussion features piles of roadkill in Toronto, more on the Oakville teacher's very large breasts, we talk about a very bad owl, and we discuss the end of the brownies. So let's get to it. Handsome Aaron Airport. I just got an email from the queen, Ramona Digilo, and she let me know that she's proud of the work we're doing here, and she suggests we keep it up, and she gave us both pats on the back for keeping this glorious country weird. How do you oh, feel? Oh, I feel wonderful. Yeah. The queen has patted us on the back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm never washing my back no, again. exactly, nor should you. Uh, do you have any opinion on what's going on in Twitter? I know you don't use Twitter, but it's kind of... Hey, 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 I use Twitter. Do you? I use it for um, looking at news, okay. and I use it for um, wrestling stuff. Wrestling stuff. Okay. Well, I guess that's probably why we don't fall. Mm. We don't connect too often on Twitter. We don't cross paths on Twitter. We're different universes, you and I, on there. But no matter what universe you're in in Twitter, you've been affected in some way by the recent change in leadership at Twitter. Elon Musk has uh, taken it yeah. over. He's let Donald yeah. Trump back in and all these other changes. Uh, do you have any opinion on what's going on there? Is it going to survive the week? I'm sure it'll survive. I don't know. Who cares? Burn it to the ground. Yeah. Burn all social media to the ground. That's mm-hmm. always been my opinion. Although I still use social media to some degree. Um, however, if it went away tomorrow or tonight, I would celebrate. Mm. I, was, I was thinking recently, like uh, in the earlier days of social media, the, the different platforms came and go a lot, came like came and went a lot quicker. I remember a time where like mm-hmm. MIRC was popular, then ICQ and uh, like Microsoft Messenger or Windows Messenger or whatever that was, and Friendster, yeah, yeah. and then all these other kind of ver- MySpace. And it seemed like everyone had a shelf life of just like two or three years, and then they would die, and something new would mm-hmm. would take over. Uh, and I could go on listing all the other various ones that came and went, but it yeah, just... you've done that to me before, cornered me. Yeah, <laughs> just listing social media platforms <laughs> that have come and gone. Uh, but now it seems like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, like these ones seem almost like they're going to be forever. It, even as a new one comes out, like when TikTok comes out, it's not like a crush. Well, because one they've the ingrained themselves into the economy. Was how the big difference between current social media platforms and things like. Friendster and MySpace and Messenger and whatever, they're everywhere. And, and it's hard to imagine our lives without them now. Well, it's a, it's an interesting thing to see play out. We'll see where it goes. Um, but we got to get to it. We got a full card tonight, and I don't want to let the queen down. In tonight's episode, we're going to be talking about roadkill in Toronto and the tremendous amount of it. Of course, we're going to have to talk about the teacher in Oakville's breasts again. We're going to talk about a very bad bird. Mm. We're going to discuss the end of brownies, which are a bit of a cultural institution in Canada, but we'll get into that. And then we're get, for the end, I think we'll save, uh, we got quite a bit of feedback from all sides of the political spectrum about last week's episode covering Tim Hortons. I say mm-hmm. we save that for the end. Yeah, yeah. Usually we start off with voicemails, but... No, I think this is, uh, these ones I think are going to... But you've heard them and I haven't, so you need to use your judgment based off of, are these voicemails the main event or are these voicemails the opener? I think they might be the main event, but really what I think it is, is that um, they will make us talk a lot longer than we need to in the front of the episode. We got to get to the weird stories and then we can rant about Tim's. We did enough of it last week. Let's move on. Let's, um, you lived in Toronto for a short period of time, right? Yeah, yeah, I did. Do you remember seeing any dead animals when you were there? Well, I, I, I have to say that's not something I would have made a mental note about. Okay. Well, then maybe it wasn't as bad then as it is now, because I think 
what's going on is uh, with dead animals in Toronto, I think isn't the kind of thing that people are just making a mental note about. I think there are people that are unable to look away from the dead animals that are piling up in Toronto. And it's made the news, of course. Here's mm. what's going on. Hi, I'm Pam. I am trying to take care of a situation that this city is not taking care of. And it's all the dead animals. Pam Brown calls Toronto's Greenwood Avenue home. And lately... It's so ugly, smelly. She and others here have noticed an uptick... And it makes me so angry. Yeah. It makes me sick to my stomach. In roadkill. And we're not talking just a few here and there. Oh, no. It's many animals. So it's left up to us to clean up the mess. Which she and her neighbors have done. We've had to do that three times. So you've had to take care of it yourself? All of us have. They've called 311 and each time are told the carcasses will be picked up in 48 hours. They say right now they're overwhelmed. So it could take up to 48 hours. That I can understand, 48 hours. Yeah. I can understand that. Three weeks, no way, that's inexcusable. I got fed up, I called Paula Fletcher's office. I had calls from residents saying, there are a lot of dead raccoons out on the street and they're not getting picked up. Fletcher looked into it after City News reached out to her. She was told by city staff there's a distemper epidemic impacting raccoons. So they're very disoriented and they're being hit by cars they're dying, and then it's taking forever to pick them up. In her ward alone, there's been more than 400 calls to 311 in the past two months reporting dead animals. So it tells me that something's really happening out there. It is distemper. I'm not sure the city has been able to meet the uh, crisis that we have for the dead, primarily raccoons, because of distemper. The city confirmed Animal Services, or TAS, responsible for cleaning up carcasses is overwhelmed. More than 400 calls in the past week alone. There are four officers working in the day, two at night. At present, TAS is averaging a 12 to 14 day response time for cadaver pickup service requests versus the standard 48 hours, a city spokesperson said. And I have sent an email about that. Can we please expedite the pickup of all carcasses because there is the situation which I didn't even know about till you yeah. called me. If I could still drive, I would probably volunteer even at my age <laughs> to help clean up these streets. So the the lady who stars in that uh, that piece, I think her name was Pam. She should be mayor. Like it's someone like that that gets stuff done, right? Um I would have to see her resume. I'm I'm all for her. She's she's got yeah, spunk. but that's kind of a very emotional reaction you're having to seeing her passion about dead animals. <laughs> so I think we need to learn more about her before we appoint her a mayoral position. Yeah, I guess you're right. But uh, two weeks to clean up. Uh, well, I guess they call them carcasses. They call them cadavers. They had all cadavers. sorts of. That's my favorite name for a dead body. A cadaver. cadaver. Uh, it sounds so magical. Abracadaver. <laughs> uh, carcass sounds just disturbing. Like, I think it's a carcass sounds like, yeah, it's a piece of garbage. Cadavers when it's fresh and then it slowly will become a carcass. Cadaver is a classy way where it's like, I can't wait to die and become a cadaver. <laughs> uh, what what misadventures will I get up to as a cadaver? As a newly minted cadaver. It's a. Mm, yeah. I'm a shiny, magical, whimsical cadaver and I'm dancing around in the streets as a cadaver skeleton bothering pam. bringing wonderful mischief to the neighborhood mm, i don't think pam would enjoy it but i i don't think i would enjoy having a dead raccoon in front of my house for two weeks in in the raccoons they have in toronto I, I find like when i come from the east coast and i go to toronto i find their raccoons and their squirrels are like these like badass like mutated versions of the kind we have here like the squirrels that you see in toronto are like twice the size of a halifax squirrel mm -hmm. And I, I can count on one hand the amount of times I've seen a raccoon in Halifax. When I'm in Toronto, I feel like it's like I'm on the verge of being chased by their big, mean city raccoons. So um, if, if like a weird infectious disease is running rampant, killing them, the bodies are probably the cadavers are probably piling up pretty quick. I imagine. And this is a problem. I don't know if it's specific to this illness or this virus that the raccoons are catching, but... Um, the rodent issue is climbing all across the country. Mm. And from what I read, it's as restrictions were lifted after 
the pandemic or, you know, at the towards the end of the pandemic and we're, that we're possibly in now. Um, and as and as cities were opening up more then rodent population started to grow and grow quickly. So and raccoons were kind of part of that because I've noticed around my area a lot of raccoons really? and a lot of dead raccoons. Weird. I'm, su- I'm surprised. Like whenever I drive down my streets um, and then on the highway, yeah, I see lots of, every day I see dead raccoons. Really? Oh, well, in Halifax, yeah. Ryan, it's deer. In fact, my wife, uh, she's going uh, to work early Friday morning, like seven in the morning or something like that. And as she drove down our driveway to like get onto the road, she saw a deer like run past our, like run down our street, like full blast, running as fast as it could, being chased by a dog. Like a golden oh, retriever yeah. must have like got it. I'm surprised a deer ran from the dog. I thought I thought a deer would face a dog and and really put up a wonderful fight oh, against it. Uh, did I tell you about the deer fighting on my lawn last week? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, there's just that. weird deer things. This one was this one wasn't a male buck with the big horns. This was, as far as she explained it to me, was like just your typical little deer. And no, they're they're super like jittery things. You clap your hands outside if there's a deer near near you. He's gone and like a barking really? dog chasing him oh that deer was running for his life i'm sure and they were just kind of like running up and down the streets i wasn't awake for it and she didn't film it and i'm still upset about it because you know like something like that it's oh, i wish i was there um oh you're upset because you missed it yeah not upset because the deer was fearing for its life no i would have wanted to be there to just experience such a unique piece of nature playing out but the situation in toronto what is the solution here's my solution um, the city could just like hire some people uh, to get it done quickly because it's like you know that you wouldn't be like a job that you would so you're talking about contracting it out just to for a company. like it seems like something is going on right now that they have a, an abundance of dead animals around could they not just put a thing out and just like hire people for three weeks to you know, uh, I don't know, or offer backshift or something, just get caught up. It just seems the idea of leaving the animals on the side of the street in one of Canada's largest cities for like two weeks when their typical turnaround is like a day or two. It just seems like now's the time to maybe offer some overtime and, you know, give some people some shovels to go collect this stuff. Because I'm sure if it was that simple, they would do that. Um, my guess is that there's probably something behind the scenes that makes that maybe take a long time before mm. they can get that approved or yeah. and then if perhaps there's some stuff. kind of yeah unionized issues with that and red tape that they have to work around mm. in order to just because I, I hear people say that not specifically in relation to to animal cadavers but just anything in general why don't they just put more this why don't they just get more people to do it you know but I just don't think it's that simple because if it was that simple, they'd just do that. Yeah, I guess so. I guess that, there's a name for it, but like when you're up, when you're in the stands watching hockey, it's a lot easier yeah, to say. Yeah, it's so happen. easy to say, "Oh, put the puck in the net, you idiot!" <laughs> like I sit and watch hockey all the time. I never play it, but boy, I can tell you how to play it. Mm-hmm. Like it's just we're all, we're all on the sidelines for things like this, things we we generally know nothing about, but we have such strong opinions on how to fix it, which is usually just, we'll just do more, mm. just do more. It's that simple. Well, what thing, what seems to always work is getting the issue on the news. I have a feeling just these articles and these news reports and people calling politicians, asking for statements, that's probably all it will take. And it's probably back to normal already. So like, oh, that's a problem. Just put a plug in that one. Yeah, once it comes down to a, you know, uh, maybe a politician concerned about votes, if it, if it gets to the point that, the entire city is freaking out about this and you know they're going to have the mayor's head if they don't do something about these dead raccoons um yeah that usually brings some kind of a drastic change of some kind but mm-hmm. i think um, um I, I don't know i'm sure you've noticed this and everyone in the world has probably noticed this is ever ever since covid happened everything seems to take way longer Mm-hmm. and costs way more and it's just way less convenient and it seems like it, there's no rhyme or reason it doesn't matter what it is it seems like it's slower now because of covid and i and i wonder if there's just like if you trace it back far enough if all of a sudden you, you will realize that you know the city is not meeting its um 
you know, it's service time promises as a result of some COVID related thing. If, you know, people talk about it be there being this huge hoax and conspiracy theory and all this stuff related to that disease, if there is one, I think it's just like all the businesses got together and we're like, how can we make everything slower and cost more? Yeah. Because it worked. Yeah. It worked, yeah. And you see it in every industry, in anything you order, you know, there's stock shortages, there's parts shortages, um, there's staffing issues, mm -hmm. there's so many things as we're, as we're trying to emerge from this pandemic. And yeah, let's, let's do our best and let's have patience with some people who are trying to do their best but are experiencing you know, certain situations that are preventing them from responding timely, but, but also let's try and fix these issues too. So let's just all understand each other better. Well said. Next story I want to tell you about and ask you about and get you to weigh in on is, a. Uh, this is a unique one, but it also has some kind of, um, we've, we've kind of seen this happen in some other situations where names that, names for products or groups or places that have been um, like household names our whole lives, suddenly people are taking a, you know, a second look at them and reconsidering them and in some cases changing them. For one recently we had Aunt Jemima, you know, pancake syrup had a name change of course i don't know if you know about that uncle i actually don't know about yeah. that what was it changed to? aunt jemima they changed it to i don't know what they changed it to but they got rid of the character aunt jemima because right. it, it had racist connotations yeah, it's kind of cultural implications, yeah, i guess certainly and they also did the same with uncle ben's rice for mm. the same reason i had always heard about people talking about that or trying to get a change, but I didn't know if it actually happened or not. Yeah. Aunt Jemima's gone and Uncle Ben's are both like, I, I guess they're the, both retired. The, retired is the way yeah, they're put in it. Florida. Uh, yeah. Um, but another name that is a household name in Canada certainly is about to go. Were, were you in like Boy Scouts or Beavers or any of that stuff growing up? I was not. Okay. My, my son was in, uh, beavers for a little while which is like the younger version of boy scouts the the other side of that if you had a female generally she instead of going in boy scouts they would go in girl guides and the beavers in boy scouts uh if you were in girl guides they would be called brownies so brownies was a group of a group for i think girls like probably like six to twelve maybe would be the age range and it was like a a kind of a, a social club where they would learn certain kind of life skills, you know, how to tie a knot, uh, how to bake a cake, how to sew and, you know, these sorts of things. And that was kind of the point of Brownies in Girl Guides Canada. The name Brownies, though, uh, I never once thought of it and how it, it could, um, how people could take that name. But people have raised some concerns about the name. Here's, here's what's in the news about Brownies. Finally tonight, the Girl Guides say it wants girls to, quote, just be themselves. Tonight, the group is taking a big step to help make that happen. Our Scott Lightfoot explains. On a day covered in white, a Canadian institution announced it will be getting a little less brown. We heard from girls and from young women, both current members and former members, that the name causes them harm. As of today, brownies are no more. No, not the delicious baked goods, but rather the name of the branch of the Canadian Girl Guides for seven and eight-year-olds. We heard from girls who talked about their friends being in that branch, really wanting to join, loving the idea of the activities and the friendship and the connection, but not feeling like the name made them belong. Brownies have been around for nearly 110 years, and this isn't their first name change. Originally in England, they were called Rosebuds, but officials with Girl Guides of Canada believe they will be the first to retire the brownie name. Back in 2002, the Canadian uniform was changed, eliminating the color brown altogether. 
The organization sees the name change as part of its evolution. I mean, I think names do matter, but I think girls matter more. And that is what we heard as an organization was that the name caused harm to those girls. So we wanted to change it. Girl Guides of Canada says they've shortlisted two possible new names and will be consulting with girls across the country before a decision is made in January. I think the most important thing that will stay the same, though, is really the experience that girls have. So all of the amazing activities they do, the STEM, the arts and crafts, the camping, the outdoors, that's all going to stay the same. And the only thing that's really changing is the name. First off, that spokesperson for Girl Guides Canada that was featured in that piece was mm -hmm. did such an amazing job, I thought. Like she really no, handled Why don't you offer her the job of mayor then? Because anybody who impresses <laughs> you tonight gets the job of mayor. Yeah, mayor of Toronto. Mm -hmm. She should be mayor. Um, but I, I've never thought of the name Brownies and how maybe that wouldn't be appropriate for all people or maybe not not comfortable for all people when i started searching like reading the different articles i was seeing groups of um young girls of all different nationalities and races and all this kind of stuff and you know you know what i mean like backgrounds um and maybe some wouldn't be comfortable in a group simply called brownies yeah yeah i can see that being an issue and um and yeah, change the name. Yeah, let's go for it. You know, I I'd hope they pick it, a cool name. You know, what are some possible names they could go with here? Well, it said they were originally called the Rosebuds, and then they changed I it to Brownies. That, I find Rosebuds to be more offensive than Brownies. Why Why would that be? I, I, like, well, I, well, I don't want to get into the great detail here, but Rosebudding, do you want me? Do you want the detail? Do you want to know why Rosebudding Yeah, I'm is, ignorant. I don't know. I don't know what you're getting into. Can you like put Rose it? Rosebudding like... is a very is is referring to a, a prepsed ass. Okay. <laughs> so I, I hey my hands were tied. You you forced me into a corner. I had to okay. tell you. Okay. I, I won. I don't. So now I, you know. Now you can drop. I don't it, think okay? that's probably. I doubt that's why they changed the name fifty years ago or something. But uh, okay. Know. Well, I, I don't know. I'm sorry. I brought it up. What's an appropriate name for them? So it's it's girls eight to nine, eight or nine years old in girl guides i don't know they i'm sure they could just come up with some nice name who says they even need a name well they need some way to differentiate the different age groups is that what it's about like the reason that like um why can't they why can't they all come together like why is it yeah um, like the eight and nine year olds could probably learn a lot from the ten and but also why can't you know uh boy scouts and, and whatever scouts, and, and girl guides and you know, all come together and all learn the same well skills, i think boy you know? scouts and girl guides are two different like companies. Right, right. But maybe they could, maybe they could connect. Maybe they could say, why if we? What? Yeah, I, I don't know. We're not going to think of it. Let's leave that to the girl guides. Someone in the chat did update us on the new name for Aunt Jemima, which is uh, Pearl Milling Company. Hmm, I like it. I guess that's based off of the original name of the company i guess or... okay and the same person j9 mac who let us know about the pearl milling company name is also recommending that the brownies change the name to pixies i love that because i'm a huge fan of the band pixies and it has mm. this kind of whimsical magical thing i yeah. like it yeah the pixies yeah i like it too yeah sounds sounds like a good name i don't know there's there's so yeah. many options like and there's so many ways you could go with it that's going to be a really hard thing to do i think uh mm firming up on a name that everybody likes and thinks represents the organization. Certainly. Well, talking about, we're going to use this as a segue to the next story. The idea of finding something everyone agrees with, a place that everyone feels welcomed and accepted and safe and comfortable. Uh, we're seeing kind of the, the dark side of that argument take place at a high school in Oakville, Ontario. The Oakville Trafalgar High School uh, is internationally known now as a result of their shop teacher, who is, uh, I guess, infamous, famous for wearing large, extremely large prosthetic breasts. We mm -hmm. talked about it on the show t before. Um, photographs of the teacher went viral, showing, again, extremely, extremely large prosthetic breasts with a very tight shirt. After the photos went viral, uh, protests took place outside of the school. It just got wild. Um, when we last left off our discussion about it, we were told that the school board 
was to reconsider the dress code to see if something should change that may, uh, you know, compel Miss Lemieux to change the way uh, she dresses and at school. Uh, we have an update on it. Listen to this. The Halton District School Board has concluded consideration of teacher dress codes following a controversy surrounding an Oakville teacher. Photos of the teacher went viral earlier this year, making headlines around the world. Now the Halton Board has decided against a formal dress code because it could open them up to legal liability. The Ontario College of Teachers is also conducting a review of professional standards after a request from the Minister of Education. Cole's notes version of that is they are not going to implement a dress code mm -hmm. for teachers. Um, they are washing their hands with it, it seems at this point, saying that if they were to implement a dress code, it could open them up to liability, which means open them up to being sued by someone. Uh, a lot of people have strong, strong, strong opinions, including t students, um, parents of the students, community members, and of course, the ever talkative random people on the internet have uh, a lot of a lot of thoughts on this. And the updates to this story that come out aren't going to surprise you. I'm just going to play one quick update and then we can talk about it. Okay. This is from, I think, the day after that news was given. When I came in and opened the school normal, he just said uh, you have to evacuate, there was a bomb threat. Halton Regional Police say it came in the form of an email and forced Oakville Trafalgar High School to be placed into lockdown. They did a, a real heavy duty search. They had a German Shepherd dog, a couple of them walking around. They had the exits blocked off so we could get in or out. Parents received the notice Wednesday morning with an urgent memo notifying them of a potential bomb threat. Students were asked not to come to school. I opened the school 31 years ago and I've been here since it opened and it's with this lately it's a lot going on. Halton police sent a copy of the email threat to Global News. It appears to take aim at a teacher at the school who has gained international attention for their appearance. The teacher was pictured wearing large prosthetic breasts in class. After the images went public, the school board conducted a dress code review. And just last week, it was ultimately determined that the teacher would not be subject to a dress code when in class. Police say the email threat was received at around 6.30 a.m. Full of derogatory language, the email expressed anger at the teacher. It also threatened specific individuals within Halton School Board, as well as the high school and the school board as a whole. Well, it's terrible for the kids and especially for the community. I think it's really too bad that this is going on. The teacher has never publicly commented on their gender identity, but the email uses transphobic language. The extent of the language in this letter is really disturbing. But advocates say it's also not surprising. Trans folk in Canada and beyond our borders um, face harassment and violence every time they leave their house. So it's a really disturbing climate, um, one of hostility for trans and non-binary folk in Canada right now. The lockdown was eventually lifted Wednesday, but the school remained closed for the rest of the day. Halton District School Board didn't comment on the email's contents, only saying in a statement police determined there is no threat to student or staff safety at the school and that it would reopen on Thursday. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all that that was kind of the what came next in the right. story. Right. Uh, it, I like that they say in the article, like the school board wouldn't comment on, you know, the exact message in that um, in the threat. But I think I could use my imagination and probably get pretty close. Having read quite a few like comments online about what people think of this situation. Yeah. Uh, are you surprised to hear that there's no change in dress code or no dress code being implemented for teachers, only dress code for students? I'm not surprised. I mean, what were they going to do? Yeah. You know, they, they can't. Their, their hands were tied on that. Yeah, we talked about when we first brought up the story, I wish I had it in front of me, but I had read a, a Reddit post uh, that somebody had left giving their opinion on it that I thought mirrored and echoed my own. Ultimately, they ended it with something like, you know, uh, although this situation seems like, you know, common sense tells us we need to do something, anything we do will likely be used over and over again in the future to do harm to people, yeah. you know, that shouldn't have harm done to them, I, I suppose. And so it's, it's a, 
it is just like I, I feel like you couldn't make up a more complicated and delicate delicate situation to drop in the middle of a high school absolutely like, yeah and like it's if again if it was if this was a work of fiction you'd be like that's crazy yeah um it is something now another weird update to this story since since we're on the topic i want to read an article because it's as this is all going on so that it comes out that the school board isn't going to implement a dress code and the teacher is free to wear the, the prosthetic breasts and the tight form-fitting clothing to shop class uh, we heard about the threats another article came out where the teacher uh, Ms. Lemieux was filmed skydiving with a porn star Mm-hmm. in the days as this was all going on so let me read you this is a blog to article which is like a toronto arts and culture magazine right they say a skydiving video is circulating this week of someone believed to be miss lemieux the oakville trafalgar high school shop teacher who rose to fame earlier this fall for wearing large prosthetic breasts in class sparking a debate over dress code human rights and the intersection of both the Toronto area high school teacher can be seen in several photos and video clips published in early November by a Twitter user who calls himself a conservative porn star skydiver. His name Voodoo, he posted a series of tweets on October 31st in which someone who looks exactly like Lemieux, right down to her now instantly recognizable tight pink shirt, is seen participating in a skydiving session. Now they're quoting the tweets this person made. Taking the Oakville transgender shop teacher on a skydive. This should be interesting. No way that wig stays on, he wrote when posting a photo of the apparent teacher getting geared up. Another quote. About to throw the Oakville transgender teacher out of a plane. Shit's about to get real. Stay tuned, he wrote in a subsequent tweet showing several people in a small plane. The next tweet. All it took was one bump from the camera. From a camera. Oh, sorry. All it took was one bump from the cameraman and their wig... And there goes the wig, folks. I think dude's real hair looks better anyway, he later tweeted, including a f- including photos of the person believed to be Lemieux in midair, smiling with excitement. It's not clear if the overly busty skydiver in pink was aware of her instructor's live tweets or his own profession as a porn actor. Either way, some conservative media outlets are gleefully sharing the footage around, a continuation of their collective obsession with the Oakville High School teacher who has been the subject of several protests in recent months. The skydiving instructor, for his part, seems keen to jump into the spotlight that's been turned towards the Mew in recent months. Wow. (laughs) It never ends, eh? This story is never ending, and I don't know. Yeah, and I've watched uh, the photos and videos that are referenced in that article. I I watch them, and yeah. to me, it's it's clear as day. It's it's that teacher skydiving with a person who all of their other tweets are you know just this crazy outlandish stuff, and I I, I like just having a teacher show up in in this person's uh, photos and videos like that alone would be controversial. Controversial, like if your high school teacher was uh, photographed and videoed with like a male porn star or something you'd be or a female porn star you'd be like whoa and we don't know if 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 the porn star asked permission of the teacher like it's possible that maybe the porn star did i don't know truth is truly stranger than fiction in oakville ontario i have a hard time believing we've heard the last of that situation We have uh, one more story before we get into Tim Horton's related news and feedback items. I love this story. This has to do with crime in Canada, specifically a repeat offender burglar in British Columbia. You've heard the term cat burglar, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Have you heard of an owl burglar? I have a strong distrust for the owls ever since the staircase, which I've mentioned on this show. So this story does not surprise me. This upscale neighborhood is the backdrop for a whodunit. 
Oak Bay police responded to a 911 call at 4 a.m. last Thursday to a homeowner in distress. The hysterical homeowner in the Uplands area indicating that the perpetrator was inside of her living room. The perp didn't make a peep. We found the uh, perpetrator perched on a uh, very expensive leather couch. That's when Constable Stephen Twardy's training kicked in. We referred to Google's recommendation of a broom. Oh. What followed was chaos. No. Shrieking. The owl swooping from this well-appointed kitchen into an opulent living room. Finally, the cops had him cornered. Until they didn't. The owl eventually left on his own and walked out the patio doors. The suspect is described as nine inches tall, weighing about 800 grams, with one distinctive feature. Uh, tends to close one eye, so I've named him Winky. And all was calm in Oak Bay until it happened again. Sunday, Tina Gabbery checked in on a friend's home to find it trashed. You know, pictures off the walls and vases knocked over and lamps and stuff. So I was walking around thinking it was a home invasion. And then out of the corner of my eye, I caught a glimpse of an owl hanging on a chandelier in the, in the dining room. Not just any owl. We thought he was maybe missing an eye. Again, Winky was in no hurry to leave, watching as Tina and her friends cleaned up the home. And he just sat there and let us pet him very soft. And, and then next thing you know, he just flew off. Is this animal acting alone? Is there a wingman? We don't know yet. But they are saying there's no connection to this 2018 incident in Nanaimo. It's a beaver and it was trying to break into my house. That animal also got away. Winky is considered a flight risk and they think he took a page from Santa's playbook and is getting in through the chimney. Probably looking for his next house. He could fly down your flu anytime. Uh, the journalist had some fun with that at the end. Yeah. A wingman, a flight risk. That story, it's a, what do you think's up with this owl? If he is getting through the chimney, maybe he just realized I can get in these houses by going down these homes by going down the chimneys. Animals don't have the, you know, they don't, it's just looking for a warm place. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe, but an owl like wouldn't really need a warm place. Like they're a bird that can. I don't know much about owls other than well, they, uh... they have, I know they're big fluffy things. Like you'd think they'd be fine to be sitting in a tree in the winter in Canada. Maybe there's a certain smell coming from the chimneys that they are attracted to. And then mm. they get, and then they, once they get down the chimney, they kind of get stuck in the house and can't find their way out. Mm, that kind of makes sense. Uh, could thanks. Be something like that. <laughs> thanks. Um, I'd be pretty freaked out though. You go in your house and you know, it's, it's all tossed up, you know, tossed over and you're just like, what's going on? And then see an owl sitting there. I'd be kind of scared because owls like, Although they, they wouldn't, you know, kill a human or something, but Ooh, IPI. now Jordan. Would they? I don't know. They well, could mess you up. I just feel I keep, it. I, I, this is the second time I'll bring it up tonight and the third time on this history of this show. But the staircase, the major theory or one of the big theories is that an owl did it. That an owl flew into her and knocked her down the stairs as opposed to. Well, her the owl attacked her. her because owls can get apparently quite violent. I'm Googling, can owl kill human? Let me just read you the results. Owls of all kinds have been known to attack people when defending their young, their mates, or their territories. Frequent targets include unsuspecting joggers and hikers. Often victims escape without injury, and deaths from owl attacks are extremely rare. But extremely rare doesn't mean Never. it can't happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Weird. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but, but it was, it was like, in the staircase... Um, the documentary, um, you know, the theory that it wasn't the husband that pushed her down the stairs. It was she was attacked by an owl outside and the owl kind of grabbed onto her head, you know, and they have these talons, you know, they, they, that are quite uh, sharp and and kind of did a lot of damage to her head. She tumbles down the stairs, you know, bleeds out. That's kind of Ugh. the theory behind it or the Cole's notes of that. So um yeah i'm scared well, of owls now ever since that theory came out about that documentary so this story of the uh, of winky the owl uh burglar terrorizing british columbia does not surprise you at all this doesn't is, surprise you've been expecting me. this for now first it's murder now it's uh petty theft um they're probably the owls are probably going through their drawers and trying their clothes on and uh, and they're probably uh, eating the popsicles in the freezer. All sorts of uh, just mischief things, yeah. and nonsense from owls. 
We need an well, owl prison. Kind of a zoo. You're talking about a zoo. Yeah, we, we need more zoos. Yeah, we look at them and pay an admission. No, I don't mind owls. They're beautiful. For the record, I love all animals. And if an animal finds its way into my house, you know, I have to defend myself. But other than that. I don't know about going after with a broom. I actually, that, that if, if I saw an owl in reality, okay, if an owl was in my house, I would call whatever authorities there would be available to come and take care of it. Uh, because I would not want to tangle with an owl. Yeah, sure. what about, well, we heard the story with Toronto earlier. There was a two-week take to pick up the, two-week wake, wait to pick up the... <laughs> cadaver if you call someone and be like i got an owl in my house they're not like coming that night to get the owl you'd be you'd be out of your house for days i would try if it was in a specific room where i could shut a door and uh open a window well but then you'd have to go in the room to open the window you no i would just the shut the door and i would call someone professional to come and release the owl for me not kill it or anything just release it so you would spend several days in the rest of your house as you heard an owl just like flapping its wings. I would Who? research what owls eat and I would slide that under the door. <laughs> Man, I hope this happens to you. No, Jordan. <laughs> I don't want that to happen. I hope it doesn't happen to you. I hope you and your family are safe and, and, and enjoying your life at home. We had, uh, it reminds me when I was a kid, we rented a cottage, like my mom and I and, and siblings. And the first night we were there, uh, we realized it was a bat in the house and the bat in the cottage. And we, um, my stepfather, I think, eventually cornered the bat and threw a blanket on it. And then as you could see, like the bat, like kind of flapping mm -hmm. around under the blanket and he managed to scoop it up in the blanket and got it outside like that. Yeah, that's that maybe would I would not go near a bat because if they bite you, you know, you're talking rabies, you're talking whatever All other things. Uh, nasty things that you can catch from a bat. So again, I would try to uh, seclude it into a room. I would call the proper authorities to come and deal with it uh, safely. Mm. Uh, you know, I don't quickly. I don't want to tangle with a bat either. You know, they're flapping around. They get in your hair. Not that I have to worry so much about that. <laughs> That wasn't a joke. Not, you can't, don't laugh at me. <laughs> well, let's start wrapping this up. But before we do, we got some voicemails. We got some feedback. Uh, we got a lot of response to the Tim Hortons episode. Um, first thing I want to say, though, is ever since we talked in, during the Tim Hortons episode, we ended with, with a discussion about contacting people who are complaining about tim hortons online mm -hmm. and we would find these people by looking at tim hortons twitter account and seeing who they're writing to saying like dm us with you know and we'll talk to you about mm. this problem that you're having uh i've been looking and like that's an amazing idea well there's i'm seeing 15 of those a day easily we could make you know a, we could do three episodes a week for the rest of the year by yeah. reaching out and contacting maybe these a separate podcast for the tim hortons stuff what would you call anti-tim hortons podcast ah oh, now we're naming things again on this show yeah, let's not name first it. we yeah, yeah it's, there's there's so many i'm sure tim horton puns that we could get into well, um we could call it double double trouble or we could call it oh, uh yeah. that's good thanks thanks that's what we'll go with if people listening want us to reach out to people who have been affected by Tim Horton's service or products. Uh, let us know. Cause we could do a special episode about that and we could just give them a platform to air their grievances. Mm. Uh, I would be happy to help do that and make that happen. We'll let the listeners know. Uh, we'll let the listeners decide if that's what we do. Yeah. So we'll come back to that. We'll put a, a pin in it for now. Hello listeners. Sorry to pull you out of the episode like this, but I want to take a moment and remind you of the benefits of a nighttime premium feed subscription. First of all, I release the episodes ad-free and two days early on the premium feed, which gives you the show quicker and a lot less painfully. Secondly, I maintain a full back catalog of nighttime episodes and countless hours of bonus content only on the premium feed, so to give you more of the show than any sane person would probably even want to listen to. And the third thing, Premium feed subscribers who do so annually get a discounted rate and receive a free swag pack by mail. Who doesn't love mail? And lastly, 
but hopefully most importantly, the premium feed will fund the creation of the show. My mics, my laptop, the little lights on my desk, it's all paid for by the combined efforts of the premium feed subscribers. So if any of this sounds good to you, for about the price of a cup of coffee, you can go premium right now at patreon.com slash nighttime podcast. I want to thank you for considering it. Now, let's get back to the episode. Let's hear some feedback related to Tim Hortons. Here's the first message we got. Okay. Hey, Jordan. It's Greg here calling in. Um, just listening to your episode about Tim Hortons. Just wanted to say that there's an item I know that is, I guess, regional um, or used to be. I don't know if they sell it at all still, but um, oat cakes. Um, I know out east um, I always used to get oat cakes but uh, in Alberta if you ask for an oat cake they, they don't even know what you're talking about so uh, it's just another thing that I don't know if that's just regional or maybe some locations in Alberta do have oat cakes but just another thing to add to your uh, list of Tim Hortons items I just uh, have I, a list on my wall and it's just, oh, Tim, just, Hort- the- it's just Tim Horton items <laughs> and then I, anytime I see a new item at Tim Hortons, I write it on my list. Yeah. And if you haven't seen it for sale for a while, you put like maybe a star or, or like a, question a question mark. Yeah. Like, and then when they've officially announced it's cut, you log out, you log it yeah. on your board. Uh, but he made a good point. I, Greg, uh, I hadn't thought of that, but I, I used to always love getting uh, Tim Hortons oat cakes and I haven't had one for a while. I've just, I lost my train of thought there because in the chat, Lee made such a great pun that it knocked me off course. You guys are very crueler to Tim Hortons. Crueler uh, spelt yeah, like a honey yeah. crueler. That's good a good one. Yeah. Uh, very but good. yeah, okay, I, I used to love the Tim's oat cakes and yeah, I haven't seen them for a while. I'm going to pay attention to that. That's something else we can, if we're going to yeah, go at them again. I, I never really uh, would, would, I've had Tim Hortons oat cakes in the past. I, never really took notice if they're still there or if it's something that 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 still exists but i, I could like see that being very an east coast thing oatcakes mm-hmm. if we do this episode where we talk to people complaining about tim hortons we probably won't hear from anyone in nelson bc here's why all right uh hey there jordan and aaron uh my name's goss and i just listened to your uh Keep Count Weird episode about the Tim Hortons, and I got to say, I really enjoyed it. Lots of laughs. I just want to weigh in on it and say that where I live, which is Nelson, BC, it's a town of about 10,000 people, and guess what? It's a blissful Tim Hortons-free utopia. The nearest one is at least a half-hour drive away in the next town over. So if you ever need to get away from a Timmy's, just come on down. Anyways, love your show. Cheers. I didn't fact check that. I'll be shocked if that's true. If it is, we need to go. Well, we need we should open a franchise there. You probably make a million dollars. No, no, we can't. We can't. <laughs> no, we can't tarnish their the the purity of their land. Uh, I if that's true, that's amazing. And I wonder how that has happened because it like in Halifax, I have five of them in my small neighborhood. I've here. got one in my living room, and, <laughs> and no one asked permission to open it. <laughs> I'm Googling Nelson, B.C., Tim Hortons. A Tim Hortons free... Whoa, uh, there isn't one. (laughs) What? That's kind of wild, right? That is wild. There has to be a story to that. There has... Someone probably said, we don't want you here, and made it so. Okay, we should... We'll we'll have to research that for sure. Um, because maybe that's a model other parts of the country. It reminds me of how Alberta is rat free and this place is Tim Hortons free. Yeah. And PEI doesn't have deer. Yeah. Was it deer? Remember the deer ran, swam across to only get hit by a car? Yes, that's right. It was that white tailed deer, I think, or something. Yeah. Specific. All right. Wow. That actually really made me feel good to hear that there is somewhere in this country i think it's the same as gus yeah i I appreciate you gus yeah that made my day Mm -hmm. we're taking canada back one small town at a time well hopefully maybe with everyone's help we can bring more (laughs) areas like that to canada that and we can rid them of tim hortons so here's one that's complicated 
uh, I think once I play this voicemail, uh, you'll understand what the response is. This, this relates to one of the voicemails we aired last week. Hi, Jordan. I uh, sent you a voice message last week about the individual going through the drive through at Tim Hortons and not being able to buy a coffee for a homeless person. Um, the way you covered the story, I thought was almost as disrespectful as he was treated that day and the woman was. Yes, I understand she probably went back, but as a social work major, I'm finishing my practice right now. We need to advocate for these people. And if no one advocates for them, who will do it? So if she went back to prove a point, it was to show that's exactly what's going on. Is that he is being treated more disrespectfully than the way the rest of society is treating him. So, I don't know. Hmm. So, I, I heard that. And I, I was trying to remember what we said about that. Because we I think we opened the episode with it. Or, or it was near the beginning of the episode. Yeah. The clip was the woman uh, tr uh, yelling at the worker about, like, you have to sell me it. I know this guy. Uh, and I think... My opinion, I, I'm sure I said something to this effect last week because my opinion about it's pretty strong. Is like the woman had a uh, filming had a good, um, like a good point to make, mm -hmm. and she was highlighting an issue. But I think it was the way she went about it that I found uh, very cringy to hear right. her like yelling and just be. I don't know. I, th I thought, uh, you know, if you want to prove a point, there's way better ways to prove a point than like yelling at the drive the tim hortons drive-through clerk who who's just following rules like she if i remember yeah, the video correctly you would want to take it out on management who made the decision to then tell their employees to not let anyone buy a coffee for this uh individual yeah. so yeah and she um, had said i think she said the woman in the video said like i called corporate already and they said you have to um i think maybe she should have just filmed the person saying like you can't buy a coffee for that guy in that you know and then the video like kind of ends there or something mm -hmm. or, or she could say something like so just to be clear like i can't buy a coffee for him because he's a homeless man outside right, right. and the worker would be like yeah that's the rule like in the, the video could end there and then i'd be like okay like the message is yeah loud you could and clear. have said who told you not to you know and they could say well yeah. it's you know my, my boss told me that yeah, I that can't is, sell but I a think coffee to someone who's buying it for the homeless man. So yeah, I think my issue was the point that where she started like, kind of like yelling and being. Yeah, she kinda, got very aggressive with the worker through the drive-through. Yeah, uh, with the and and I can only imagine that that worker isn't in a position to make like uh, I don't know decisions for that company or that restaurant. Yeah, that, it's it, out of that worker's hands. They were told no don't do that and they're at just, least we can assume that we can happening. assume yeah so i guess you're, you're right we don't really know for sure so uh, but um, either way when i that video and, and that whole interaction um i find uh i find it very hard to watch or listen to someone yelling at someone else even when they're even when they're making a point because i know the person that's being yelled at uh is it would probably be, could care less that person doesn't own tim hortons they probably would sell a coffee they probably just want to get through their shifts mm -hmm. they can go home they don't give a crap i'm, I'm willing to bet but anyway yeah any other like, thoughts oh, you have i this? have to you know now i have, I have to, to this. enforce this and i don't want to but i have no choice and yeah wouldn't it be easier for the worker to just you know just, i don't want to talk to anybody just be, here's your coffee here's your coffee here's your coffee I would like a job like that. You'd, it would be easier for that drive-through clerk to not have to have that interaction. Yeah, yeah. But you know, context is everything. It's always hard to have a firm opinion on a story like this without knowing the entire story, which we yeah. really don't. Certainly not. You're you're reacting to like a one and a half minute or if that yeah. video. Because anything could I, have happened before and after that video. And there's also 
an extended period of time leading up to this event of, of things. Yeah, like, and at the time the video about, so. yeah, at the time the video starts, she's already had an unpleasant interaction and talked to corporate. Um, so, hmm. yeah. Yeah, anyway, well, but I think we've, our point was pretty, um, I think the thesis of our entire Tim Hortons episode was that Tim Hortons uh, has found themselves in a position to provide social services. And mm -hmm. I think we all but lobbied for the government taking over Tim Hortons and using it for social outreach. So I think um, if, uh, you know, the, the caller there's um, criticism I think it was unfounded because what we want is Tim Hortons to be shut down and instead yeah. some kind of national 24 hour a day comfort center for the unhoused people or people suffering. Yeah, mental we illness. want Tim Hortons to be supplying coffee and food and, and bathroom and bathrooms facilities and, and whatever, um, you know, people in need might, might want to get from them. Uh, and we support that. It's, um, you know, so it's just a matter of, of, of how it happens, I guess. How that goes down. Because Tim, they, yeah, and Tim Hortons, they're quick to be like, we're Canadian. Look at our interest in youth hockey. Right, like, right. There's and, other parts, there's other things that you can help us with here in Canada rather than, you know, uh, hockey stuff. You know, help, hockey help. stuff, yeah. Well, <laughs> and again, it's, it's, it's my point uh, last week that I made where it's like Tim Hortons is now occupying so much real estate in our country that at a certain point in time where you have so many locations um, all over the country with the exception of, of one apparently. No, yeah. Um, but yeah, then you, you at a certain point assume responsibility to provide certain things to the people in that community. Uh, think of this when, just as a comparison, and this goes to your point with the amount of real estate Tim Hortons takes up across the country, although they only have little locations all over the place. If you were, say, getting um, approval to build a major building in, you know, downtown whatever city in Canada. So downtown in Halifax, I'm going to build, you know, a 15 story high massive building that's going to take up a city block. A part of the process of getting like the building permits and all that stuff to make that building happen is I would likely have to include some kind of social services like maybe i'll have a section of the building that will have like low-income housing or maybe there'll be i don't know like a i don't know some part of the building used for something that benefits society and that's often a part of these um applications for these kind of major constructions is like what will it do for you know mm -hmm. the city and for society uh that would never apply to a, you know, a small business, even if they have like 30 locations across the city. So maybe if they looked at Tim Hortons and made them kind of go through the same hoops that a, that a developer would with a large building in downtown, and maybe Tim Hortons should offer 24-hour bathroom services with a, like, I don't know, a separate entrance that doesn't enter into the lobby of the restaurant. Maybe yeah. that's a way that Tim Hortons could be a little more Canadian. I think so. I agree. All right. Well, I think we've done enough. We, we've transitioned from keep Canada weird to keep Canada equitable. I don't know. Just keep Canada, Canada. Yeah. Well, let's wrap this up, Aaron. All right, Jordan. Until next time. Until next time. Abra, uh, Abra, Cadaver. I want to thank you for helping Aaron and I reach our Keep Canada Weird mandate. But let us call to you for even more support. If something unusual happens in your town, let us know. And the best way to do it is by sending a voicemail at nighttimepodcast.com contact. We hope to hear from you. Now, before we part here, let me give some thanks. A big thanks to Aaron for sharing another evening with me and with you, the listeners of Nighttime. A shout out to the internet's favorite cult leader, Unicol, who supplied the intro and outro voiceovers. And lastly, but most importantly, a massive thank you to everyone who listens to Nighttime, as without your interest and your support, this show would be as pointless as it would be impossible. But with that said, keeping the show alive is and has always been an uphill battle. So if you want to help take a bit of weight off the show's back, please consider subscribing to the premium feed. And not only does the premium feed fund the creation of the show, it'll give you more of each topic than you'll find here on the free feed as I'm adding exclusive content regularly. And I release all the episodes two days early only on the premium feed. So for both the price of a cup of coffee, 
help keep the show alive at patreon.com slash nighttime podcast. And on that topic, let me thank the newest subscribers, Josh, Greg, and Donna. Thank you for going premium. For anyone else who'd like to support the show but can't do it by way of a premium feed subscription, you can give us a big hand by simply sharing this episode on social media and letting some like-minded friends know what we're doing here. If anyone wants to give feedback on the show or would like to contribute a voice memo for Aaron and I to respond to in an upcoming episode, you can do all that and more at nighttimepodcast.com contact. We hope to hear from you. But until then, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, let me know if you see anything weird. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte. Copyright Jordan Bonaparte. An Oakville school has had its second bomb threat in two days. Yeah, the threats refer to a controversial decision involving a teacher there, and while the school was shut down yesterday, today it was kept open. Students and parents say they want to see more done to make them feel safe. My life thrills uh, threatened from all these threats. I think something has to be done. Oakville Trafalgar High School was emailed yet another letter threatening extreme violence and death to local school officials. Police say this email had the same tones as another note sent to the school yesterday. The threats are in relation to the school board's support for a shop teacher who made international headlines. The Alton School Board has said that gender identity and gender expression are protected grounds under the Ontario Human Rights Code. While yesterday's threat led to the school being shut down for the day, Today's classes were allowed to continue. I was actually in a math contest and I see a policeman walk in, another guy with the principal. I go upstairs after it's done and they're checking lockers, they're kicking open lockers, they're checking them. And you know, like they're doing a bomb, like they're searching for bombs while I'm in the school, while everyone's in the school. We didn't have school yesterday because of a bomb threat. So it doesn't make sense that we're back at school like today, yeah. again for a bomb threat. The Halton District School Board says police recommended that they keep classes in session. Halton police say they've scanned the school for any type of explosives and say the building is safe. While the building was secured today, this parent worries about the future. I'm gonna stop, right? Yeah. Because the situation is what it is. Um, the, the specific individual is not changing, stopping. Um, so no, the situation is not stopping. So the situation at the school is definitely also not gonna change. There is one change some students and parents want to see, but won't say out loud. By protecting one human being's life, um, we're putting hundreds of others at risk. Um, that's not, it doesn't make sense. That's not what we are supposed to do. I think, I think they know what to do. And I think they know the right thing to do, but it hasn't happened yet. I think we all know what they should do. It'll just get completely get rid of the situation.